what the f am I talking about? <laughs> Sometimes I feel that. Well, a lot of the time I feel that. You know, you get to the end of a sentence and you just wonder, like, what's happened? Where did I start? <laughs> Where have I got to? What is life? What are we doing here? Welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. I'm Will, and while you've been out enjoying the new hot weather in the UK, we've been listening to all of the hot new releases on music services. Today I'm joined by James. Hi there. Jess. Hello. Tom. Hello. And special guest Rob. Hi guys. On the show this week, we're reviewing one of Jess's childhood mixtapes. I'm going to be reviewing the Surprise Rap Boys release. But first, Tom, what have you been listening to this week? Well, well, I've taken another trip down memory lane, which is not very unusual for me. I've also been triggered by uh, one of the conversations that we had like a week or two ago to go and revisit uh, an old album. Um, I've been listening to Elbow again, the album scene kid. I mentioned it a couple of weeks back uh, on video game soundtracks of all things because uh, Grounds for Divorce was featured on... Uh, Driver San Francisco, which is a game that I used to play like freaking what ten years ago, um, but I went back and listened to that album, and <sighs> I don't know if anyone else gets this, but there are like a little group of albums which I like consider old friends. You know, I I I will always revisit them quite regularly, and I never quite know which bit is going to be my favorite again. You know, there's always something else which stands out to me. Um, and I really, really enjoy going back to it. I did not listen to the live version of it, which was um, somebody mentioned last time, uh, which was done with like the London Philharmonic Orchestra. It was EJS, wasn't it? Um, I didn't go back and listen to that version, um, but I did listen to the recorded studio version. Brilliant 2008 album. There were just little things which made it feel really, really... Um, creative and a bit different to what else was out there at the time even like grants for divorce we mentioned it as like the key track one thing that i noticed straight away going back to it um is that there's little design features that they put in there the there's only one guitar there's one bass and a set of drums in the background brilliant riff during the chorus what they did is they uh put the guitar in one ear on the left and they put the bass in one ear on the right and then i'm not quite sure how they did it i guess like i think i know how they did it but it's really really nice so when you take out one ear or the other you've got this completely different sound and then together it just works uh really really nice things like that but also there's so much more to it than just production there's a lot of really lovely lyricism and it's almost like poetry to to, to music um loneliness of a tower crane driver is literally what it says on the tin it is this imagined life of someone who works uh in a tower crane on a construction site and it's a very peculiar subject matter but that's what makes it so sweet and endearing in a way i don't i can't imagine anyone else writing a song like that and writing it in the same style as elbow it's really really nice and it's it has so much character to it um and there was one other track which stood out to me some riots which was uh one of the later tracks on the album um again it's really sort of a piano based ballad but it's got this wonderful swaying motion because it's in free fall time it's got this wonderful um quite dark ominous tone to it it feels really warm there's loads of ambience there's loads of atmosphere in it it's a really really nice track but um yeah i always go back to it i never quite know what's going to capture me when i listen to it again um and i had the same journey this time the seldom seen kid by elbow highly recommended yeah every time you bring this up i kind of let you talk on it because i know that you love it so much but actually i'm a really big fan of this album as well and i could just go on for days about it um, yes, yes, I'm so happy. I met another one. I found another one. 
And like the the main songs, the main singles, so as you mentioned, Grounds of Divorce, and also The Bones of You is a fantastic song, in my opinion. It's just, the lyrics are really incredible and just, yeah, the metaphors and things that are used are just, they're not cheesy at all. They just seem really accurate and really, um, yeah, so creative, but actually mm. they capture the feeling really well. Um, and then as you were talking, I was thinking about other songs I liked and I immediately thought of Sam Riot as well. And I thought of Loneliness of a Tower Crane Driver because in that song in particular, I think the background, um, it's got some, it has like somehow the feeling of a really big structure. For example, a tower crane, it just, I don't know how you can capture that in a song. It wouldn't sound like it'd be possible, but somehow it does mm. feel like some some massive thing in the background that's kind of maybe like stomping around a city or something. It's also the way that sounds were not used to, certainly with like, Town Crane Driver, sounds are not used to imitate the actual environment. It doesn't sound like, you know, it's not meant to sound like a construction site. It's not meant to sound like, you know, it's a busy city. It's meant to sound like the sort of area where you are being elevated, being really high up. It's really, it's a really good point, actually, because like the soundscape and the choice of sounds on that album is really, really strong. Um, Like Loneliness, you've got these wonderful string sections which come in um, sort of as like pre-choruses or, free, or pre-verses. I'm not quite sure where, where they were sitting in the structure, but yeah, it gives this really, really um, strong sense of elevation and this really strong sense of like floating above everything. But then you've also got this really swaying, heavy beat. Um, even things like the lyrics, you know, the, the, the lyricism available is something that I always love. Um, uh, what was um, one line that I thought of? I must have been working the roads when your hand slipped from mine. You know, it's it, it you know it's this bloke thinking about how his relationship has fallen apart whilst up on top of a blimmin' crane. It doesn't feel corny. It doesn't feel out of place. And that's one thing I always loved about Elbow. That lyricism has never come from like you know uh, melodrama, and it's not the end of the world. It's you know I was sat there you know having a fag, and I realised I let you down. Basically, just little Don't... everyday things. Yeah, it feels so everyday, and it feels real, and it feels. Not even gritty, but it feels lived in. You know, I think a lot of artists can feel really, really um, like they're in another world and another dimension. That's part of their appeal. But like Elbow is just, you know, it's like someone blabbering at the pub. And I really like that. I really, really love that. And they are still very much a favorite band of mine for that reason. I haven't listened to much Elbow in the past. Like I've heard bits and pieces, but never really invested any time into it but after the last well like three or four weeks of us talking about elbow all the time i feel like i really do need to get around and listen and this might be the album to do it i promise this will be the last time but you know unless of course you want to talk about it will which of course i'm not gonna worry you know you go for it um Sunstein kid is, is a good one to start with um take off and landing of everything is a very strong album in my opinion and their latest one giants of all sizes is also uh, slightly darker in tone compared to most of their stuff. It's quite angry and it's quite a not aggressive album, but it's a very angsty album. Um, but that's a really, really good one as well. Let's move on to Jess. What have you been listening to this week? I have been listening to an album which I knew one song of, which is Assume Form by James Blake. And the song I already knew was Can't Believe the Way We Flow, which I think I've recommended to you guys before because that's just an incredible song to me. I love it so much. Um, it was definitely like one of my favourite songs in the year it came out, which was 2019, looking at this. Overall, it's just kind of really like lush and ethereal kind of album. It's very atmospheric. And I think it's a really good... I, I didn't want to get into a full review, but I ended up kind of having so many thoughts about it that I've written down because I just really love it. Um, it's To me, it's a really good example of an album being cohesive, but also having enough variation between different tracks that is interesting. So it keeps a style that's consistent, but doesn't get boring at any point. And I think that that's done kind of, well, the use of features kind of helps that because to me, they he really uses each person's strengths, like the different features that come in. He kind of adapts their style into his music and it just works really well. It's like a good example of how collaboration should work. Um, so that's like, he has rappers and singers. I mean, his also his voice itself is just really it's really unique and I think it's amazing really I think it's probably one of my favourite vocals from of like current singers 
Um, also, I don't normally focus on lyrics that much, even though I've just now mentioned elbow before, but um, here it particularly stood out to me because I wasn't really paying attention, but I just couldn't really help but notice them. They seemed very like honest and kind of drew me into it more, whereas normally, like I said, I just focus on the sound. Going into particular tracks, I liked Tell Them. That was a quite catchy one, kind of early on, like, I think it's the third song. And then moving on into Into the Red. That one I kind of had a bit more like unusual melodies and chords that I quite enjoyed. That was a bit more of a very atmospheric one and slightly unusual instruments as well. Um, and then we go into Can't Believe the Way We Flow. So that's kind of a nice point as well in the album I thought to have such a strong track because it kind of, it's not like front loaded then. It keeps you, keeps you listening into it and drawing you in. And then Are You In Love? That was quite a good example of how how it has a variation so it has quite a sort of almost jarring synth in it whereas everything else is very much um a kind of nice relaxing treat for the ears and yeah lots of nice layers of different sounds whereas this one suddenly included something a bit more i don't know yeah a bit more jarring but it works well it doesn't um it doesn't actually come across as like abrasive it just kind of keeps it varied enough to keep you interested um it has andre 3000 after that which is just I mean, you can't really go wrong there. He's just a great person to have on any album, I feel. Um, always a good collaborator. Uh, so yeah, that's that's probably about it. I, I'm really glad that I checked out the rest of it because it was... I've definitely found like multiple new tracks I'll be listening to on repeat and the whole album as well. It's just like listening to it from start to finish in the right order is, I think, like an experience you should have. Let's go to Rob next. What have you got for us? So recently I haven't actually been listening to that much music. I've kind of been smashing the pods out. Um but there's one there's a couple of songs I've been listening to this this week just because you know they they rock. Uh all by Oliver Tree. It's the album um Ugly is Beautiful, specifically the songs Hurt and Alien Boy. And Oliver Tree is right dude you know like he's got a he's got a vibe that yeah i really i really i really vibe with um his his song hurt is about his relationship with his scooter and i mean i wouldn't to be honest i wouldn't dig into it too much because you'll probably be disappointed so if you just listen to the song at face value it's you know you've got a lot of emotion got a lot of stoke in there too and yeah, um, similar with Alien Boy, that's got a bit of a sadder background to it. I think it's him, you know, saying how he feels like he doesn't belong in this world, but he's dealing with it. But you know, that's Oliver Tree. Yeah, he rocks his flares, the bowl cut, better than anyone else in the world ever could. I guess I'll jump in next. Um, this week, I found an EP by an artist called James McAllister. Uh, you might not recognise the name, but you might know him from the soundtrack to Call Me By Your Name, which is a fantastic movie that everyone should watch. Um, he also did a collaborative project with Bryce Desner of The National and uh, Sufjan Stevens a few years ago that came out on People uh, that was quite interesting. He also did some of the percussion on Taylor Swift's recent album Folklore, but that's probably not <laughs> going to give you such a good idea of what this EP is about. Uh, the EP is called Scissor Tail. I found it because it was on Bandcamp's um, best ambient releases of March list. Um, and yeah, it's an ambient EP. It's great. It's It kind of sits in between kind of the acoustic and the electronic side of ambient with different sections using different sounds. And one particular part of it I want to draw attention to is on the final track. Uh, it starts off with this piano, but then it, it has what initially sounds like really loud hammer sounds. So if you don't know the way a piano works is when you press the key, a hammer hits a, a like a string in the back of the piano. But then as the, the hammer goes back to the rest position, it kind of makes a sound that normally you wouldn't hear because the sound of the actual piano is much louder. But if you mic it close, you can get the sound of it knocking back up. And it's something you'll hear on an electronic piano electric pianos because they're amplified so you get more of that 
but it it starts off with yeah this piano part with really loud hammer sounds on the back of it but then they kind of morph into their own thing where the piano kind of fades away and suddenly there's this weird like percussive element that doesn't really sound like a, a, a piano anymore and has this kind of electronic feel to it that's really cool so yeah if you're looking for a good ambient release i'd recommend this one scissor tail by james McAllister. so i listened to james blake right after listening to james McAllister, and with McAllister, i was i fully thought you know this is a total chill pill i could have i could have been walking in heaven like walking on the clouds and just you know literally away with the fairies and then I had James Blake come on straight after and it was the most surreal transition back to the real world. And it was, musically, it was, I wasn't expecting it. They normally experience those kind of things, but just it happened purely by accident and I would highly recommend trying it. All right, I might have to try that later. So get the Jameses on. There you go, we're putting a playlist together. Let's see if we can add anything else to it. James, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so this week I listened to uh, Chris Cornell's No One Sings Like You Anymore. So this album was came out in December last year. And that was three years after um, Chris's death, Chris Cornell's death. Um, so, yeah, apparently he did record all these songs before his death. And he did really want to bring these out, but... Obviously, because of the situation, he didn't. But um, his record label and his estate decided to bring it out um, in December. All the tracks on this album are covers, but he manages to make them sound like so original. I think one track that stands out the most is Patience. And I believe that's a cover of a Guns N' Roses track. And yeah, that's a really kind of like a poignant moment in the album. It kind of... You kind of feel like you're about to cry, which obviously, for me at least, because he's kind of quite a big impact on kind of my music and my guitar playing and whatnot. It, it because of that you feel like you want to cry, but also I think just how he presented that song is really quite um, powerful. Um, I guess another track on there is "No One Compares to You." That, that's just a pretty popular song and pretty. Uh, stand out really um yeah i i wouldn't say this album is like a send-off for him i feel like it's just like another album of his but because he was going to bring it out anyway obviously it wasn't intended to be kind of a send-off but once you finish the album you feel like yeah that's chris corn now and it's not it's not like maybe with some other artists who have passed away sometimes that album comes out and it's just like it feels like they brought it out just just for money, really. But this album feels like Chris Cornell. It feels like he's still alive today, really. And it feels like it's from him. And I, I really did enjoy it. It is a risk when you bring out a posthumous album, isn't it? Where yeah. it can feel so forced and like a cash grab, like profiting off someone's death. Mm. There's always... There's like certainly when I've heard like any posthumous albums before, there's always like a real sense of trepidation because most likely it's going to be the last thing that does come out. Is it any good? Is it ready? Because even things like, um, I think Jeff Buckley did have a second album which came out after his death, but that was like a couple of years after he died. The estate kind of put together the recordings he, you know, did um, and collected them. Actually, there were some really solid songs in there. You can tell it wasn't um, a finished album and it wasn't quite ready, but actually that was part of the charm. It wasn't quite finished. And even, you know, like um, the last album that people make before they pass away, they could be really, really powerful, even if it's not necessarily like the best work. Um, Even things like... um, I can't remember what the album was called, but Linkin Park's last album... I don't think it was the hunting party there was one more after that might have been one more light um but even listening to that um after chester bennington passed away very very weird very very strange feeling that i don't know it feels like a legacy almost and it i listened to that in a very different way that i listened to the rest of linky park's back catalogue and i listened to like made in heaven by queen very differently to how i listened to the rest of their back catalogue 
you know, I always feel like they've got their own little space and they can only be one of them, even if they're not that good. But I also think that's why people get so charged about it. You know, people do immediately assume, is it a cash grab? Because it feels that precious and it feels that important. Yeah, I definitely prefer it if it if they market it as a a demos compilation or here are you know the last snippets rather mm. than saying oh here's an, an album and it it's you mm. know they treat it like a complete work when it's clearly not going to be. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where like you know it's only those who are in the know actually know the whole story behind it. Was it actually for them or was it to say goodbye or was it for this that and the other? They're probably the only people who know. Bands are an interesting one as well because I think um, Linkin Park said like sometime last year they are recording music. No dates for like a new release or anything confirmed. Um, even bands like Queen, you know, after Freddie Mercury died, took a long hiatus and now they're back as this, you know, super tribute to themselves. Which, to be fair, with um, I th- is it Adam Lambert who does it at the moment? I can't remember. I think so. I know. I don't think he does it anymore, but he was doing oh. it. Yeah, he was doing it. But even then, like, you know, they've had like a few really good singers in the front line and it's always Queen and Joe Blocks. You know, they've never tried to hide the fact that, you know, it's like the old band and they never tried to make me make much new music, which I think that's a really nice way of treating it and just going, yeah, we've still got the memories. We've still got these great tunes. You can still come and listen to it. How bands approach that in particular is really, really interesting. And yeah, I think it's just keeping music alive. That's the key thing. And make sure that, you know, you remember the good thing that was and is. If we go back to Chris Cornell for a minute, James, are you more of a Soundgarden person or an Audio Slave person? I got to know him with um, Audio Slave, but, like, I love Soundgarden just as much. But also there's, um, like, Chris Cornell's songs, um, solo songs I like as well. Like, um, his cover of Billie Jean is, like, one of my favourite songs. So... Really, everything. <laughs> no bounds on your love of Chris Cornell. Yeah, basically. Just everything. Absolutely everything. Which is your favourite? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to introduce Rob quickly to everybody. I don't even really know where to start, but me and Rob had quite a lot of adventures, like quite a few of them involving A&E of some sort. For you, not me. Well, any others involved. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show. Lovely to be here. Halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. This is my friend. He has a lot of accidents and involved the hospital. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly he must have interesting musical insight. Absolutely. <laughs> that time at A&E. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's super relevant to the show. Hospital radio review. I, this is, this needs to be, well, I was going to say segment this week, but we've already started today, so we can't plan that in time. If there was an opus or an opus segment, then... I'm your man. I'm a big fan. Is anyone else aware of this song? No. I don't think so. It's a great song. Wait, you know... Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you sound so downhearted. It's, it's by Eric Fritz. It's got like a three and a half minute build up for the drop. Uh, but then it's just like... Oof, I don't know what to say. It's got like one drop throughout the whole song. Whoa, whoa. What? Let's not let's not cut the song down. It's an amazing song. I only know it because of you. Like all the guys in the engineering, love it. It's our it's our jam. I know a reasonable amount of Eric Prince's music, and I don't know this particular song. It's literally his opus, which I guess is why it's called Opus. <laughs> but he recently brought out a song called Nopus. Opus. I think it's called Nopus because it's not Opus, and you can just tell it's not Opus. It's nothing like it. Uh, you can technically divide all music into opus and not opus <laughs> exactly technically, yes. he even did it himself <laughs> he has also got what well, I presume no it's no it's a mixtape it's literally like six versions of the same track uh, I think he meant to pronounce it piano but it's but it's been it's 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 spelled pijanu pijanu piano that was call on me and then piano were like his two really big hits Back in the day. But now they've been overshadowed. I must say, I love the artwork, but then... Oh, no. I, pre- I presume there is some amount of effort put into the music. It's just, I love the artwork. Oh, yeah, there is. If you're, It's the kind of song that you're driving along on a lonely motorway at, like, three in the morning, and then when the, you've got the build-up coming, and you just get amped, and then when the drop, the drop goes, you just think your car's going to take off, and you're just going to be <laughs> flying around in a different realm. You're like, whoa... Does it have to be at three in the morning? Can it be at like, can we do like five fifteen or you know like rush hour? 
No, it does need to be dark, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It feels like mm. something from Tron, I think. Maybe, but it's also something from Tron that you could use uh, if you just wanted to get lit, you know, like a good freeze. <laughs> just to, it's like whenever it drops, you know everyone's having a okay. good time. Next time. Can confirm, we've had that experience quite a few times. Related to that, the only time that I've ever driven like stupid clock it, at night was when I was coming back from Isle of Wight Festival. Monday morning at like 4am, me and my friend got back, got off ferry from uh, Isle of Wight. They got back home, that was cool. Then I had like a three hour drive home and about 20 minutes into the drive, there was a massive clunk and the, the flat tire light came on. Um, so I stopped in the middle of nowhere with literally no lights. It was literally like, yo, I was living, I was playing Slender Man in real life. It was quite creepy. How many pages did you get? Yeah, uh, uh, well, I couldn't find any pages. I was too scared and I ran away in the car. Um, but to be fair, I was okay. But I spent like a good freaking 150, 200 miles driving on what was a semi-flat tire. Uh, although it wasn't completely flat. It was absolutely fine. It was just, it was just a bit low. A bit spongy. Yeah, and I had like slightly jolly uh, country and folk music all the way home. And it was just one of those moments where it's just like, this music doesn't fit the situation, but it does make me feel a lot better. So I'm going to keep playing it. Helps you just get distracted from Slender Man looking in your window. Mm, definitely, definitely not definitely not hoping the car would take off so you know uh, gladly it didn't I'm fine I got home okay it was fine and then I like spent a quid on those machines at the petrol station and then the tire was fine and yeah it was all good in the end right let's get to this mixtape <laughs> <laughs> so this was a physical CD that I burned at some point in the mid 2000s um and printed out a custom album cover, um, courtesy of like either iTunes or LimeWire or something that had like the metadata on it, um, converted it into a nice little terrible album cover for me. And I don't think there was a particular reason other than just to, you know, dance around my room and have a good time. So let's see if it holds up in 2021. So we've all gone away and listened to this mix CD not the physical version, obviously. We've had to recreate it ourselves. If you look in the podcast description, I will put the tracklist in for you and maybe link out to a Spotify playlist with the songs in it, if I can be bothered to make it. Um, I think the official title was just Jessica One. Jessica One. Great. <laughs> it's a much techier title than <laughs> the songs, um, than the songs <laughs> yeah. create. Yeah, so I had a had a listen to this playlist, and it's just like, for once, I can recognise like every song that's like talked, you know, like talked about, <laughs> like, and, and a lot of the podcasts. I'm like, I don't really know that, but like this this playlist, I'm like, yep, yeah, I know this, I know this, I know this, and it's just like all of them are like blast from the past, blast from the past, um, especially I like, is this the way to Amarillo? I'm like, how did that get into here? Like, there's, there's like no theme to this apart from naughties. <laughs> that's the whole point, though. That's why I love it. This is just, this is one of the best lists of music I have ever heard in my life. I don't know what it's worth just like going through and quickly running through the list for people, because otherwise I feel as though we're going to be talking about something that people can't see. Okay, I'll, I'll do an audio version for people who can't be bothered to read or click on things. The track list from the start to the end. Uh, Wake Me Up by Girls Aloud, Axel F by Crazy Frog, Thunderbirds Are Go by Busted, Sandstorm by Darude, Jump by Girls Aloud, What You Waiting For by Gwen Stefani, Rich Girl by Gwen Stefani, I Feel Good by James Brown, You've Got a Friend by McFly, All About You by McFly, uh, Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, is This the Way to Amarillo by Tony Christie and Peter Kay? Respect by Aretha Franklin. I Love to Boogie by T-Rex. Waterloo by ABBA. And closing out Disco Inferno, Burn Baby Burn by The Tramps. Just as I remember. It is just sheer beauty. I love it. Every part of this just makes you feel good. The question is, though, was it in this exact order? Yes. Okay, extra points, because congrats. Everybody knows that Disco Inferno is one of the best album ending tracks of all time 
I don't think it ended the album that it was on originally, but that's not the point. I've clearly improved on the original then. I'll tell you what, I didn't actually realise that McFly did a cover of You've Got a Friend. And I really I really like the original of that song. And I I listened to I listened to this version and I actually really liked it. McFly are are quite good. I'll give that to you, Jess. Everyone tries to McFly, and we did talk about this in another week. We did talk about a lot about cheesy hits, and I'm sure McFly was mentioned at least five times. But <laughs> they did actually make surprisingly good music. This is the thing; it's not actually that bad. Like even Girls Aloud, their the instrumentation, like I think it was "Wake Me Up," like the guitars in that, like this is wicked sounding. I like this. <laughs> this is not the reception I thought we'd get actually to this. I'm- surprised i guess i'll jump in next then yeah here's what i like about the playlist or the mixtape i like that it's clearly divided into the two halves you've got the first half with electronic music and electro pop and then in the second half you've got more funk and um disco and things like that and i think mcfly is an interesting way to kind of link those things together that works okay I don't know that there's like a thematic link between the two halves, but that's that. I thought in general the song choices did actually work together, but I think the sequencing could have used a bit more work, particularly at the beginning, because you have Girls Aloud and then Axel F and then Busted and then Darude, and it it, it feels like it's jumping around, but if you could have used some of those Gwen, one of the Gwen Stefani tracks to bridge more into Darude or into Axel F or... or out of that into busted and that could have worked a bit better yeah jess what the hell were you thinking yeah i hope you were thinking about all of these things and when you made it <laughs> when i was 10 yeah jess your transitions are crap <laughs> what else have we got um obviously you lose points because you've used multiple artists multiple times as you know yeah, you're know. a child but you should have known that basic rule of mixtaping <laughs> it's that sin that not only have i used them more than one time but like they're next to each other in the track list yeah exactly yeah you're not even trying to hide the fact that they're there <laughs> when i first saw this i was like jess what the frick but you know what uh, i mean there's some bangers in there uh and i i could kind of tell i was like okay yeah this is definitely written by a teenager like a teenage girl until you get to like Aretha Frank- Franklin and T-Rex. I just I thought they were proper curveballs for that kind of for this kind of mixtape. It was all, it was a bit of a roller coaster. I thought Rich Girl by Gwen Stefani. It actually really reminded me of another song, which obviously wasn't your intention, but it really reminded me of the Tokyo Drift song by Teriyaki Boys, which is unrelated <laughs> but so related because it's still music and also is one of the theme songs to. Probably the best movie franchise the world has ever seen, Fast and Furious. <laughs> so thank you for that, Jess. Thank you for bringing me back to FNF and Paul Walker. Oh, you're very peace. welcome. <laughs> they were great movies. They were so good. They still are. Still coming out. Still True. blowing everyone's mind. If I got into like Bizarro Universe now, where everyone <laughs> thinks this playlist is great and everyone loves Fast and Furious, what's happening? <laughs> hey, I've always loved Fast and Furious. It's just that the subject has never come up before. So now, like, I'm grabbing this. Okay, we're we're running with this for a while. Fast and Furious is good for the explosions. I'll, I'll give it that. And the camaraderie and the stoke and the general ampage and oh my god, so and the music. You could do a whole episode just on Fast and Furious. I'm sorry the... for taking this away from your mixtape, Jess, but... I'm not. No, please continue. We will never do an episode on Fast and Furious music because I refuse to watch any more of those <laughs> movies than I already have. Well, the first three are good. Like, any of the recent ones is just like, come on, it's not really doing that much. I, I, I much prefer... Well, to be fair, it's just me like wanting to be a 10-year-old boy again who like plays like Need for Speed and Burnout and then also has accompanying movies which have similar content like you know exactly yeah i I love the first three thousand furious movies immensely because it just makes me feel like eight years old again it's terrific but yeah i would be happy to do an episode on those three films i don't know if i could be bothered to do the entire series well as long as it's got tokyo drift by teriyaki boys oh, obviously obviously probably do an episode just on that song let's be honest we all know it You've brought up the only element of it that I actually like, so there you go. <laughs> Even if that's just for its meme value. 
if we was off any week, then we can all just talk about Fast and Furious. And now I can never be off. <laughs> if Will's off, this whole podcast is going to fall apart. That's a good point. Yeah, this definitely hasn't had the effect I was expecting on people, to be honest. It's gone in a wildly different direction. I will admit, I love it, but also I love it because it feels like the first draft of a now that's what I call music CD. And that's why I like it. It's just, it's not even like it's a finished track list. It's just, it, it, it's that first, I don't know. You can imagine like, you know, okay, we've got to put a list together this year, guys. What are we going to put on there? Well, let's just start listing music and see what we come up with. It feels as though it's been arranged in that order, and that's why I love it. I can almost imagine just a ballroom going, hmm, okay, we're going to have to have Gwen Stefani, but which one are we going to do? Well, why don't we put two down for now, and then we'll like we'll, we'll choose which one we want to do later. McFly, pretty good too. Yeah, what are we going to do? Except halfway through the planning process, they accidentally like fell backwards through time by about 30 years. And yeah. then just continued making the album from that Maybe year. during the meeting, they did do the time warp, and then they <laughs> ended up with a Frank. That's good. I mean, it's, it still makes sense, because the people who put together now CDs probably have pretty poor music taste, so they, they just ran out of modern songs that they could manage. And it just... Or maybe actually this is way more meta. Maybe this is just like a night out descending into absolute chaos, and then by the end of the night, you're just all dancing to Disco Inferno. This should have been our Cheesies episode. Oh. Yeah. I think I've had nights like that. Yeah, this would suit that. So, uh, what's your numerical score, then, out of 10 on this mixtape? Okay, I would, for the songs, I would give it, like, a 9 out of 10. But then the order, like... <laughs> Will is offended by this. Um, But the order and stuff, like, you have two songs from the same band, as Will said, next to each other. I might give it, uh, 6.51 out of 10. Yeah, that was 6.51. 6.51. Why are we working going... on a 100-point scale? We don't need 100 <laughs> points to rate a mixtape. I think we do. <laughs> it's not even a 100-point scale. It's a 1,000-point scale. Oh, no, yeah, it's a 1,000-point. Oh, my goodness. I wish that like everyone listening oh. to this could just see Will's facial expressions and like hand gestures when people are saying <laughs> things right now. Will is grimacing at this. He He is having the time of his life. I feel like Grimace from the McDonald's, like, extended family of characters would probably enjoy this playlist quote <laughs> <laughs> of the day tom give us a score i don't know i don't like scoring things to be fair like would i enjoy listening to this yes so we're above five would i listen to this more than once hell no we're less than 10 uh do <laughs> i think that's <laughs> the two criteria. So what happens if you can listen to it more than once? Does it get over ten? <laughs> Here we go. We got we got an answer that goes to two decimal points. How about one that is just like you know it, it, it's an equation more than five, less than ten. Okay. Yeah, that works. Very mathematical. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got. If we're starting at ten, right? Because you know there are some bangers in there, and I'll just take points off for. Uh, bad things so firstly the rude sandstorm the dude's never been in a sandstorm so this music is not coming from a place of experience how do you know and so how do you know uh, man he, i think he told it was on an ama one time but i've just got beef with that but you get bonus points because rich girl reminded me of fast and furious and then you get more <laughs> bonus points because you put a busted song in there and whenever i think of busted i think of the band fight star because uh, the what's his name the guy Charlie Simpson from Busted went and formed his own band Fightstar and I rate them I used to listen to them in my teenage in my youth um, nice and so thank you for reminding me of them as well so for that I'll just I mean yeah basically it's just two points taken off for Darude so I'll give you an eight it is also Thunderbirds Argo which I would argue merits another bonus point because that is by far the best part of that entire film and that entire reboot of Thunderbirds is that song. I have to say, like, just to to jump in on my own uh, review here, I do think that like Thunderbirds Argo is um it's very cheesy, but I think it's actually quite a good song for for Busted. I quite enjoy it. I'd agree with that. It's a solid tune. I mean it's definitely the best part of that movie, but that's not saying much because the movie's just awful. It's yeah. trash. I don't know if I've seen the film ages ago and forgotten about it, or if I'm trying to like form what I think the film would be like right now. But it's 
it's terrible. I know it's terrible. <laughs> so it starts with a bank heist, and then all of the the actual Thunderbirds get stuck in space. Oh, of course. So instead you get Lady Penelope and a group of children <laughs> trying to save the world from the bald puppet guy with the mental powers, I think, right? Yeah, so, pretty yeah, much. And it wasn't Lady Penelope the one that brought them together in the first place. He's just like, you know, I could just imagine that. Just like, you know, Parker, what should we do? Well, my lady, I've got a great idea. You listen to this. He's going to blow your socks off. <laughs> you know, this is sound. It just sounds like a ripoff of Fast and Furious. <laughs> you got Lady Penelope bringing the kids together. It's from Fast and Furious. You've got Mia serving, serving Brian some, some rubbish tuna sandwiches, bringing the whole crew together. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, take a point off for that. Trying to off furious. You're down to seven points now, Jess. I'm sorry. Wait, I didn't make the film. The film's <laughs> not just, on it. You included it to the song, though, so... <laughs> I would argue that the idea of, like, adding NOS and, like, you know, metallic green paint to Thunderbird 2 is a fantastic idea and therefore makes it a 12 out of 10. <laughs> well, had they actually done that, for sure, but... Unfortunately, they missed a trick there. I mean, I think it did have green metallic paint. Okay, let's call it like, like I don't know, purple with gold stripes, like, like you know, a YouTuber's Lamborghini. That would have been amazing. Perfect. You know when you're drunk and you have like the weirdest dreams? <laughs> I feel like I'm in that at the moment. <laughs> well, on, what's your score for this um, playlist or mixtape? The song selection is pretty basic there's no songs that stand out where i was like ah oh, i've found something new that i really like that's not great the sequencing is okay but has some issues i think <laughs> some of the production particularly on songs in the first half is pretty rough in the <laughs> uh like <laughs> the way that only naughty songs can be where it's limited to all hell <laughs> and it just sounds <laughs> awful I'm looking at Girls Aloud in particular. I I would give it a three out of ten. Oh. Ouch. Hey, it's better than two. Well, that Savage. still averages out to something quite high, actually, surprisingly. Jess, what do you give it? Like, looking back on it now, what would you give that? With everything you've learned from this podcast, of course. <clears throat> Fast and Furious. <laughs> Nostalgia value, high. Um, musical quality, I'm probably more on Will's side of things. But I couldn't do that to my own review, you know, my own album, so. Fair enough. Honourable of you. No, it's not. <laughs> She's giving herself favouritism. That, that's not honourable at all. <laughs> she didn't She didn't judge herself in the end. Are we getting character arcs? What's happening to this podcast? <laughs> We're getting character arcs. <laughs> Everyone's allowed to just reflect on themselves and, and, and forgive oneself for one's actions. <laughs> I think that's what Will wants to know, Jess. Did you do you forgive yourself for making this <laughs> this playlist? I'm not saying that you know, as a child, this is terrible. I'm rating this as a you know, a, a piece of art, which mixtape should be considered. Very true. And as a piece of art, it doesn't do much for me. <laughs> I think I can see the influence, or not. Well, not, I can't say influence because it's myself, but like the way that. You know, currently I listen to sort of funk and disco and stuff, and that was, you can see where that came from, like my story path. And then I guess, you know, I have evolved in what sort of pop I listen to, probably like away from it. When I was a teenager, and I was like, oh, I want to be more alternative. And now I've come back to it. Like, yeah, pop's actually quite good sometimes. I'm going to accept it. I think this mixtape deserves a name, um, a new name. That's not just, what was it, Jess One? Jessica One. Okay. So I'm, I'm going for now. This is Jess's youth. I'm going for Tokyo Drift. I think Tokyo Drift's a good name. <laughs> Doesn't have the Tokyo Drift song on it. <laughs> not the point. It's 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 not just a song. It's a feeling. It's it's a way of life. It's a feeling. Yeah. I'm glad we've connected over this. Such a good movie. <laughs> I actually rewatched the whole franchise, including all the short films and spin-offs, like a couple of weeks ago. So that might be why it's so prominent in my mind right now. That might explain it. <laughs> Now that's what I call going off on a tangent. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I'm going to be reviewing the new Rat Boys album. And we're going to be talking you through the best releases coming out this week. So stay tuned. That was a wild ride.
Okay, welcome back. It's time for our weekly review, and I am back on review duty this week. I'm going to be talking about a surprise release that we didn't know was happening. Um, it's from Rat Boys. It's called Happy Birthday Rat Boy. It's their new album. It's been released uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of their debut EP, which was called Rat Boy, hence Happy Birthday Rat Boy. Um, it came out on Thursday on Top Shelf. Um, it consists of side A is five tracks from the original EP, Rat Boy. They've been re-recorded, uh, completely redone. On side B, you get five early tracks re-recorded that uh, up until now haven't been easily accessible, um, that aren't on their Bandcamp or anything. And you also get their new single, Go Outside, which came out last month. Um... For clarity, I'm a big Rat Boys fan. I like them a lot. Um, I think GN is a fantastic album. Last year, their album Printer's Devil, I liked quite a bit, but I thought in some places, particularly the quieter moments, it didn't work quite as well as some of their older stuff. It was interesting to see them go in quite a different direction. Um, this album is an interesting one. Um, the songwriting isn't as developed as stuff on their other albums, which makes sense considering that most of these songs were written far before, back in 2011 or even before that. Um, it only occasionally sounds clunky, though. In general, it, it's pretty good. It just doesn't have the same depth and uniqueness that I've kind of come to expect from the band. Um, generally the songs are quite faithful to the originals, which I guess is where those parts come from. It's not a twin fantasy situation where it's been completely redone and, uh, they've tightened things up and improved things. Um, in terms of the songwriting and, like, the, the lyrics and the constituent parts that go into it, it's generally the same. Where it's changed is the performance and the production. It takes a lot from Printer's Devil, which is obviously the more rock side of their sound. So if you don't know Rat Boys, um, I think they've described themselves as post-country. So they kind of take parts from indie rock and kind of some math rock sounds, but also from folk and country music and kind of blend those things together. Um, on Printer's Devil, they went a lot more... Um, a lot more power pop, I guess. So there are influences from, um, I think the promise ring also kind of more like contemporary bands like Oso Oso, who I love a lot. Um, but they'd been touring for a few years with bands like Pup who have a bigger, more punk sound. So it made sense that they'd kind of go in this direction. And quite frankly, after GN, I feel like they'd kind of perfected that older sound. So it was interesting to see them go into a different place. Anyway, that's not really hugely relevant to this. Uh, yeah, they take the kinds of things from Printer's Devil. Um, what that gives you is it gives you a much bigger sound, but it also loses some of the nuances from the original tracks. And this is looking particularly at side A, where there's direct comparisons, and you can go and listen to the old versions of the songs. W where um, the production is big, you kind of lose some of the... And also the performances are very, um, not rigid, but they're not quite as messy as they used to be. You lose some of kind of the, the ambience and some of, some of the, I don't know how else to say it other than messiness of the originals that gave them a lot of charm. Um, and, and I don't think for these tracks, because most of them, particularly in their original form, are more of the kind of folky, mathy side of their sound ra rather than the bigger rocky side. I think the tracks on side A of this record uh, don't do quite as well. The second half, on the other hand, comes off quite well. Partly that might be because there's no direct tracks to compare them with. Um, but also I think they play into what worked better on Printer's Devil, specifically the rockier tracks, which make up the first section of this part but also on the quieter tracks it sounds like they've given them more space and particularly there's a track called have a heart on here where they actually have a good contrast 
between having at the beginning they have this kind of smaller acoustic section and then they move up to having the huge drums after a build-up towards the end which i thought is done a lot better than even any of the stuff done on printer's devil because a lot of my issue with that album was that in the quieter moments everything was still loud and there wasn't much room for the smaller um details to come through whereas here it seemed to work on the second half so overall i'd say this is a a solid album for rat boys fans if you haven't listened to the band before i wouldn't recommend starting here i'd go back to either their debut album or gn which was their second album and then kind of move forward from there but this is kind of an interesting thing where they've redone a lot of the older stuff recontextualized it for a new audience which means they can bring them out at shows and have more of an expectation for fans to actually know the songs and be able to sing along which i think ultimately is going to be a positive thing for their live show so yeah it's a solid release but maybe not one that you know if you're not a fan of the band you desperately need to go out and listen to also, have I told anyone my um, Rat Boys story in the past? No. So I, I had a ticket to see them live. Um, and I obviously you have to book these things reasonably in advance. Um, and it was during an exam period while I was at university. And I was like, what are the chances that the university is going to book uh, an exam the next day in the morning? Because otherwise, you know, I'll go out, I'll have time. I can just, you know, wake up a bit later get on with the revision in the afternoon and then yeah i got my exam timetable and they scheduled it for the morning after and then the same thing happened to me with um better oblivion community center phoebe bridges and connor oberst's uh, collaborative project i booked a ticket for them and i thought after rat boys it can't happen again um, it was a Friday night as well. What's the chance that the university is going to book me an exam on a Saturday morning that just happens to be after this? And they did. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? Like, it's such a stressful time. Let me have these moments of enjoyment <laughs> during it. That reminds me of um, one year when I was at Glastonbury. We went there on the uh, on the Wednesday or whatever, set up, um, had a bit of time there. And I think my friend had to go back for an exam. It was his A-level chemistry exam on a Friday morning. So he came, set up, had a few days there, and then had to go and then come back and just carried on for the rest of the festival. I did go to one gig, actually, in an exam period where I had a, an exam the next day, but it was in, the exam was in the afternoon, so I didn't feel too terrible. It was actually Gang of Youths, which I have the T-shirt on of today. Um, but yeah, I was exhausted for the exam, and I... I did okay, I think, but I didn't do tremendously well. So I probably shouldn't have done it, but also that gig was so good. <laughs> I, I feel like in the long run, things worked out, but yeah, it was maybe not the best idea. I'm trying to think. I mean, my memory of university is such a blur that I can't actually remember whether any of them overlapped, which probably means that they didn't, but my memory kind of goes, did they overlap? Um, I remember when see uh, John Mayer at the O2 back in 2017. That was a really good gig, actually. Really cool uh, shirt I got out of that one, which I'm not wearing. I will try and wear that next week, though, so that um, you guys can see it. Not that anybody in the audience will see it, because, of course, it's a podcast, so you can't see it. Make sure you come back next week, audio listeners. Come back next week, audio listeners, to listen to my shirt. It's going to be an ASMR <laughs> episode when we just rustle the shirt. I'm just going to describe it piece by piece. Um, I can't remember where that story was going. That's the end of the story. Um, just going back to the track list a minute, I must admit, I am rather attracted to a couple of the songs that I've seen just on track list. I haven't listened to any of, any of um, Happy Birthday Rat Boy yet, and I'd probably take your advice, Will, of not starting here. But... I kind of want to go through this journey just to get to the songs called At 39, Is Annie the Oldest Cat? Um, as, well, as well as 88 Fingers Edward. I, I, I need to discover in my life if these are actually any good. And probably I'm going to be disappointed. But who knows? Maybe I won't be. I'm not sure they'll live up to what you're expecting from the song titles. Oh. I think it was just 2011 and they were young as songwriters. <laughs> and, you know... 
as an indie band, it's very tempting to do a cool, edgy title, isn't it? To, uh, to be fair, I am kind of looking at them thinking, I'm sure I must have seen this on like a Primus record at some point, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm kind of setting it up like that, which is probably like, yo, and that's going to be automatic disappointment, because nothing will ever beat Primus. They are nothing like Primus, oh. but they are very good, so, you know. Cool, well that's something I have to check out, but again, the other albums that you said first. Right, shall we have a look ahead to the albums coming out this week? Mm, please. So it'll be the 9th of April, these are all coming out. Um, first up is an album I've been waiting a long time for and I'm very excited for. It's Small Black's new album, Cheap Dreams. If you don't know, Small Black were a, a like chill wave band in the early 2010s. And then they kind of progressed into being a kind of stadium synth rock band, although obviously they weren't really big enough to play stadiums. Their last album, Best Blues, came out in 2015. So it's been a long wait for this one, and they were like on hiatus for a while. They came back last year with a single called Tampa, which is a fantastic song that everyone should listen to. Um, the subsequent singles, Duplex was good. Um... I like uh, Driftwood Fires as well, so it seems like it's going to be a return to form because their last album in 2015 I didn't think was their best either. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one and I'm interested to see if if it holds up to what I want from, in my opinion, kind of the, the heights of their music on New Chain and their self-titled EP from <laughs> a long, long time ago. Next up, uh, we've got a new album from CFCF. The album is called Memoryland. Uh, CFCF is a Canadian electronic producer. Um, I found out about him because he released a song, which is name. Okay. Uh, he released a song earlier this year called Life is Perfecto, uh, which is very good. Um, it It's kind of this... Um, uh, like indie electronica song but it has almost a sonic youthy guitar underneath it which presents a quite an interesting mixture of textures um that i think works really well and i'm interested to see what comes out of the whole record next up spirit of the beehives new album entertainment death comes out this week um I've heard some of their older stuff and it's quite interesting. It's kind of post-rocky indie rock. So if you like bands like Broken Social Scene, this might be up your street. Uh, next up, Skullcrusher has a new EP coming out, Storm in Summer. Um, this band's kind of jumped out of nowhere and become reasonably popular. They do kind of folky indie rock. Um, I've enjoyed some of their other stuff, but... I'm kind of waiting for something that really blows me away from them. So we'll see what happens with that. And then I threw this one in, mostly for our friend Josh, who really loves the band, but uh, London Grammar have a new album coming out. It's called Californian Soil. And personally, I don't care, but it's coming out this week. So <laughs> that's what you've got to look forward to. I must admit, small black interest me um question do you think it's going to be anything like what they did before it sounds like from the singles they're kind of doing an amalgamation of their earlier stuff specifically from the kind of more hazy sound of of new chain with some of the bigger sounds from limits of desire but then it it all kind of has obviously they've always kind of had a somewhat nostalgic sound but it seems like they've turned that kind of songwriting way up, particularly on Tampa and on Duplex. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be familiar to their older... To It's going to be similar to their older stuff, but I think it's going to be new enough for someone like me who would be happy with just more small black. Mm. London Grammar as well. The thing with London Grammar... I really want it to be good, but also I relate them so heavily to If You Wait. Like their album from like whenever it was, 2013 or whenever it was. That sounds right to me. But that was a really, really good album. Solid album, but also I don't know if I can appreciate that they'd ever make new stuff. 
But yeah, I am intrigued by that. I will definitely give that a listen when it comes out on Friday. Good little band. Great little band. Or am I thinking a great album? Who knows? We'll find out next week, I suppose. Yeah, same here, Tom. Like, I don't listen to London Grammar that much, but it'd be, listen, it'd be interesting to hear what direction they take this time. Uh, and, and if it's not too different, then I don't think I'd be too interested. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Cool. Well, that's our show. Thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> we've got to the end of another one. Um, please follow us on Twitter, at Unmuted Weekly. We're going to be posting more on there, but you'll be able to keep up with uh, all of the new episodes that come out, and we'll be, be posting some other fun stuff, hopefully soon in the future. Unspecified fun. We'll tell you what it is next week. <laughs> or you can see it on the Twitter next week. Just yes. follow us. And then you'll just go into the out. future and find out it'll be great thank you for coming on the show Rob thank you it's been a pleasure thanks Rob it's been a very different energy that you've brought to the show and we always <laughs> like that anytime yeah thank you I just need to come back down to reality now after that 10 out of 10 with Fast and Furious again <laughs> 6.51 out of 10 <laughs> that's the one that's the number another plug our friend Josh Aldridge has released a book it's called Love in a Lost Year it's out on Amazon so you can go get it now as an ebook or as a physical paperback copy we're not affiliated other than just as friends <laughs> yeah the, the, this isn't a sponsored bit i i've said from the beginning if we ever get sponsored it'll be very clear and also who would pay for time right at the end of an episode quite frankly <laughs> yeah that, that's it we're done cool. awesome nice episode Has anyone seen Godzilla vs. Kong yet? It was out. Have you, Will? What even are cinemas now? <laughs> I watched it last night, and it is trash. And I quite liked Godzilla King of the Monsters, which most people hated. This one, it's, it's a stinker. And, like, the review said it was going to be okay, so I went in with reasonable expectations, and, oh, man, it was so bad. All of the human characters suck. There's no Kyle Chandler, that's my biggest issue, because he's fantastic and I love him. He's, like, in a few scenes, and they just throw out his character from the last movie where his daughter's, like, off halfway around the world and he just doesn't care. Which is like, oh, why? And then they have um, Brian Tyree Henry. Anyway, he's a great actor, and they make him, like, a conspiracy theorist. And then they make... Millie Bobby Brown, who's also reasonably good, another just conspiracy theorist, and they're like half the movie, and they do nothing at all, and it's like these characters aren't likeable, they do nothing in the whole movie. Oh, it's so bad. Millie Bobby Brown seriously thought this was a good idea for her career? Well, she was in King of the Monsters as well, and she was at least decent in that. I mean, not that any of the acting's particularly bad, it's that the characters are pointless. And then the team following Kong also just, they move him and then they do nothing. They just follow him for the rest of the movie and that's it. And so I, I watched Shin Godzilla afterwards, the Japanese made one that came out a few years ago. And it's so good and it's so much better. And I, I'm so mad at this movie. It wasted my time. So I haven't seen one since like 
Uh, is it like 2012 Godzilla? The kind of first remake one recently. Yeah, the one with Brian Cranston. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I enjoyed that one. I don't know if like, I don't know if it was as good, but I enjoyed it. You know. Um, but like, so what should I watch then? Following that. Um, well, King of the Monsters is the direct sequel to that. Although they didn't get any of the human characters back. I don't really care about any of them, it's fine. Oh, well, Ken Watanabe is in it. Oh, okay. And does have, a, like, some good moments in King of the Monsters, at least. Nice. I don't watch it for the humans. <laughs> have you seen Skull Island? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, that was pretty good as well, with Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. Alright then, I'll have a Godzilla weekend or something. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, Shin Godzilla's great. Although there's so much reading, because there are captions... Because obviously it's in Japanese, but also like whenever any character gets introduced, of which there are like tons and tons of characters, it comes up with like their role in government. And so like it's just so much reading. And if you're trying to watch the screen at the same time, it's a lot of work. Oh, it's fine. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be fun. 